0: Well, good morning, church family. Is everyone semi or more than semi awake this morning? Let me know with a big uh, grunt or something. Okay. Hey, good. That's good to hear. I'm glad to see you all this morning. And it's nice to see so many of you sporting your red shirts today. Symbolic of blood. I I love that. That's just great. No, no, is that not? Okay, Valentine's Day, is that is that it instead? Okay. Hey, listen, today we are wrapping up our teaching on take the land. It's been just six weeks where we have sort of soaked in this story from the book of Joshua, which is an ancient text about the people of Israel called by God into their new home. And although he promised to give it to them, there was this divine partnership between God and his people, And as far as they were willing to walk with him, he was willing to give them new land. And we have simply said that as we begin this new season, this new year, this new time, that God has new land, I believe, and and we've seen so much already, but God has new land for each of us to take in our marriages, in our homes, in our schools, where we work, where we play. And really, his whole heart is that by the Spirit's power and the partnership of his people, There would be this mass movement that God would work through our city, I believe, and through this country and through this world. It is God's heart that all should come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. And so we've simply said, how do we as the people here at Clear Creek, and by the way, if you're a guest, welcome. We're just glad that you're joining us today, but but how do we... As a community of faith, step into what God is calling us into so that we might be a part of His mission to reach our city, our state, our country, our world with the good news of Jesus Christ. And it's all about taking new land. And so we have looked at some different elements. We have looked at the fact in week one that every one of us has... New land. We have space where we live, work, and play. Those, that is the land that God is giving you to take. And there's always more room to grow in your marriage and in other places where you live, and in your work, and where you play. We then said in week two that one of the greatest challenges is going to be fear. That this, this, this sense that I, I don't know if God will provide. And often it's not until you step into the moment of greatest fear that you see God's greatest miracles. And then in week three, we took a little bit of a pause to recognize that although God promises to give us land, it is not so we can selfishly use and abuse it, but rather it is always for His glory, His good, for the joy of the world, and so we get to simply be representatives who enjoy the good gifts but get to share the good gifts of God. And then in week four, we said that there's this great tendency for many of us as we see success to forget to always go to God whenever we face a new question or a new challenge. We almost get this swagger behind us and at times we think we are doing the right things because we are asking questions of others, but we do not inquire of the Lord. But some of of our greatest pain comes from the moments where we forget to simply say, God, what is your will for me in this moment? What is your plan in this moment? So never forget to inquire of the Lord. And then last week, last week, we simply said that everything we're talking about, although I believe that God has big plans for this year for you and for this church, that long term, the things that we will see, the greatest gains will happen not in the next week, month, or even year, but it will happen little by little over the course of weeks, months, years, decades, and, and, we even said last week that God's heart, God's heart is that we would see this entire city saved. I don't believe that that's going to happen necessarily in my lifetime or maybe yours. But I believe that what we do today matters and it will impact future generations for the kingdom of God. And so today, today we're going to talk about the final piece, the final part of what it means to take the land. But since it's Valentine's, I would be shot by some people if I did not simply take a moment to recognize the love that we feel here and in fact, you know, the old song, you know, can you feel the love tonight? I'd say no, 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 but can you feel it in the room this morning? And so what I want to do, I'm going to ask you is just help me out here. We want to celebrate the relationships that are so very important in this room. And uh, online, I'm going to invite you to participate. Just, just type in a number in just a moment. I'm going to tell you what it is in just a moment. But here's what I'm going to ask you. If you are... Married. Whether or not your spouse is in the room with you this morning, because I know some of you have spouses who are serving elsewhere this morning or will be coming to a later service because you have other commitments, that's okay. But if you are a married person, notice I did not say happily married. I just said married, okay? We're going to start the bar real low. But if you are a married person, will you just stand up this morning? Go ahead. Married people stand up. Oh, man, now, look at that, look at that, look at that. If you're at home, you can stand up if you like. You don't have to, though. But I'm going to get something for you in just a moment. But here's what I want to do. If you have been married for more than a year, remain standing. But if you've been married less than a year, go ahead and sit down. Less than a year, go ahead and sit down. we got a couple here. In fact, back here, I uh, had the privilege of marrying Brad. And his sweet bride a couple of weeks ago, and we just had a great time. And so they sat down because it's, it's a new marriage, but we're excited for you, so it's going to be good. But okay, if you've been married for more than five years or longer, stay standing. Less than five years, go ahead and sit down. Okay, we got a few more. If you've been married ten years or more, stay standing. Less than ten years, go ahead and grab a seat. Okay, If you've been married fifteen years or more, remain standing. Remain standing. Okay, wow, wow, okay, Uh, now now we're getting into the bronze medal stage here, okay, if you've been married 20 years or more, remain standing, everyone else sit, oh, okay, we're starting to see, okay, what about this, 25 years or longer, wow, wow, look at this, quarter of a century or more, if you've been married, let's go, ready, 30 years, remain standing, can you get, look around guys, this is, this is really good. The gray hairs you see are gray hairs of marriage. This is great, okay. Um, okay, 35 years or more, if you've been married, 35 years or more. Okay, if you've been married, 40 years or more. Uh-oh, wow, we're down to just a few. Okay, 45 years. 50 years? Oh my goodness. Now, hold on, we've got two remaining here. And I'm just going to ask, okay, Roy... Uh, how long have you and Sharon been married? 55 years? Okay, okay, okay. Uh, yeah, go ahead. That's say <laughs> sane, stay sane. Stay sane. Uh, Alex, how long have you and Chris been married? 61. 61. Can we just show some appreciation? And Larry and Flory, how long have you been married? 54, 54 years. That's awesome. That's awesome. And now, why do we do this? Why do we do this? See, I know for some in this room and and online By the way, the number I'm going to ask you to do is online Just put in how many years have you been married Because we want to celebrate every year that you have been together Whether it's one month, one year, a decade or more It doesn't matter, we just want to celebrate it And here's why, here's why In a world like ours We need to highlight and celebrate long-term commitments, don't we? See, here's the thing, and I know for some, when we talk about marriage, or when we talk about uh, connection and commitment, there's something in us that feels sad, some of us, and maybe disappointed, or a tinge of guilt, because for some in here, and maybe online, you're, you're going, you know, I wish I were married, but because of death, or divorce, or just disappointments of life, I'm not in that stage, and we just want you to know that we're with you, we're not, we're not trying to exclude anyone, but because we live in a culture marked by quitting, we want to celebrate committing. You, you follow me here? Our culture is a culture that says when it gets difficult, we quit. But as Christ followers, instead of quitting, we continue to commit or committing. You, you get where we're going here this morning. In fact, I want you to know that these last two chapters in Joshua 23 and 24. These are the words of Joshua, his final words to the nation of Israel. This is his farewell address. And I was thinking as I was reading the text over the past few weeks, if each of us had the privilege of getting in front of people that we had influence or history with, what what words would we share with them? And as I process through this, I think there's one word where, if we were to define the entire farewell speech of Joshua, it could be marked by one word. And that is the word, commitment. Commitment. It's the word commitment. In fact, I'm going to tell you this morning, family, that that one word, commitment, whether it's in a marriage or in a home or in a job or in your studies, students, or if it is in your neighborhood or in friendships, that one word, commitment, is the difference between seeing God's power at work and change or simply becoming a part of a culture that doesn't know which way to go. Commitment. In fact, the summary verse that gives us all that we need to know really is the most famous verse of chapter 24. It's chapter 24, verse 15, and it says this. Joshua, talking to the nation of Israel, he says, But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates River or the gods of the Amorites, that means the people who live where you are right now and whose land you're living, But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. My title this day on our last talk in this series of teaching is simply this. From this day forward. From this day forward. My question to you today is, from this day forward, what is your commitment? Because at the end of your life, what will define who you are is the commitments that you make, the commitments you keep... And the kingdom work that you see as a result. It's the commitments you make, the commitments you keep, and the kingdom work you see as a result. Our time is short, so I wanted to be very brief here this morning. But let me give you just a few things. This entire text, you're going to see two two, two, uh, uh, lists of four. Joshua, in this one verse, he's going to give us four characteristics of commitments. And then I'm going to show you from the entire two chapters, four ways to cultivate commitment. So first, four characteristics of every commitment you ever make. I want to just run through these very quickly. Write these down. Number one, commitment is, number one, always a choice. Commitment is always a choice. He says, choose, choose, choose. Notice, I love he doesn't say, feel who you will serve. In fact, commitments are not built on your feelings. They're built on your choices. And this is really, really good news. Because this means that you and I, you and I, we are not slaves or victims. We have the potential to be conquerors and victors. Because if you, as a person, recognize that any commitment you have today is the result of a choice that you have made, you will be liberated to step into what God is calling you. See, the reality is, if you think that your commitments are based on your feelings or on some external influence... You will always be a victim and your commitments will last only as long as the feeling or the external influence remains in your life. But he does not say feel who you will serve or what what is the culture saying? He says, choose. In fact, it's been my experience that anyone who commits to a course of action who says this is what I will do come hell or high water, no matter what may come, people who commit and who make the choice, these are people who will always find the answer to how. See, a lot of times we will say, I will commit once I know how to do it. But that never works. Rather, it is when you commit to a course of action, when you choose, you will always find the answer how. It's the, it's the person who says, because of the commitment, I will find out how to make my marriage work. It's because of my commitment I will find how to disciple my children. It is because of my commitment I will discover how to share my faith with my neighbors. It is because of my commitment I'm choosing. People who make the choice, who are radically committed, will always find the how. Now, here's a reality. It doesn't mean that you will find it easily. Will there be setbacks? Oh, yeah. Dead ends? Most definitely. Will you face detours? Of course. But the people I've seen who choose and commit to the choice will always find the answer to the question, how? But if you don't, you will not find answers. You will always find excuses, won't you? In fact, if you want to find someone and you want to evaluate the level of their commitment in their marriage, in their job, in their schoolwork, in their neighborhood, in their influence, you can simply figure out their commitment level by the number of excuses or answers they have produced. Someone who produces lots and lots of excuses, those are people who have not truly committed. People who continue down the course are people who have made the choice and they have committed. So number one, every commitment is built on a choice. And this is good news because it means that you are not a victim. Number two, every commitment, every commitment is a choice, but it's also personal. Notice he says, choose who you'll serve, but he says, choose for yourself. In other words, you by God's grace, have been given free will to choose what to do with your life. Isn't that good news, family? You are not a robot. You are not determined by God's providence how you will choose. Every one of us must choose to follow Jesus or to reject Jesus. Are we tracking here? And it's not the responsibility of your mom and daddy, whether or not you follow or reject Jesus. Some of you had wonderful parents who gave great influence, but hear me, you are not saved because your mom and daddy followed Jesus. You are saved because you choose to follow Jesus. You, some of you had very bad parents and bad examples, but hear me now, you do not get to use that as an excuse to reject God or be disobedient to God. It is a personal decision every day to commit to something. Your spouse does not determine your level of commitment to the marriage. Your children do not determine the level of your commitment to discipling them. Your children and your friends and your neighbors do not determine your commitment levels. It is a personal decision to commit. Always, always, always. And again, this is great news because you get to choose. It is a choice. It is personal. But number three, notice this. It is daily. Every commitment is daily. He says, choose for yourself this day. This day. I love this word, this. And here's why. He doesn't say, choose for yourself yesterday, because how many of us would like to go back and change our choices from yesterday, or yesteryear, or yesterdecade? He doesn't say, choose then, and he doesn't say, choose tomorrow, because here's the reality. I don't know if I will be around tomorrow. You don't know if you'll be around tomorrow. I pray to God we will be, but there will be some day that you will no longer have another tomorrow on earth. But you will have today. And for today, he says, it is a daily decision. In fact, lifelong commitment happens on a day-by-day basis. Lifelong commitment to your marriage, to your children. I keep coming back through this because I want you to understand this. To the friends around you, to be a person of influence, to be a person of faith, to be a person who shares your faith. That happens on a day-to-day basis. Here's the reality. If you're simply putting off... What you could do today for tomorrow Then you are committing to something other than What you say you're committing to Because it is a day by day decision Now let me tell you why this is such good news Friends, if you will commit simply to today This will relieve you of all sorts of stress and strain Because people who commit and try to say Well I will commit to yesterday Are people who are almost always filled with regret Because you can't change yesterday, can you? And people who try to commit to tomorrow are people who will be anxious because you have no control over what's going to happen tomorrow, do you? You have the choice for today. Commitment is always a choice. It's personal. It's daily. And number four, it's public. It's public. He says, listen, whatever you choose is your choice. But he says, as for me. He is making public His personal decision, his personal commitment. Let me be very clear with you. A private commitment is worthless. Let me give you an example. All right. Let me just see those hands again. How many of you are married? Hands up. Let's see. Okay. Notice. No, no, keep them up. Keep them up. Look around. You have just made a public commitment. You have just identified that you are married. Quick question, ladies. How would you feel about the the nature of your relationship if your husband said, sweetheart, I love you so much. Oh, man, I just love you. I love you. But tell you what, look. um, Can we just sort of keep it silent that we're together? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, let's not wear one of these because I don't want anyone to notice. Can we not use the same last name because I just don't want anyone to know? Quick question. How strong of a marriage... Would you have? Better question. Gentlemen, how long do you think you would live if that was your level of commitment? A private commitment is worthless. True commitment is always public. So here's the reality. Commitment is a choice. It's personal. It's daily. And it's public. You say, well, that's great, Josh. But what if I don't know how to Commit. What if my commitment is wishy-washy or it ebbs and flows based on feelings, not on a decision that I have made? Well, here's what I would tell you. Joshua chapter 23 and 24 is a master class on how to cultivate commitment. Let me just give you four ways to cultivate your commitment level. Real quick, our time will be up and we'll move on. But here is so important. Please lean in for the next few minutes. Number one, if you want to cultivate commitment, number one is you must recite, keyword, recite where you came from. Recite where you came from. Notice what Joshua says in chapter 24. He says this. Long ago, he goes back to their history. Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods. So he says, remember where you came from. But he doesn't just say remember because remembering is simply an act of the mind. Reciting is an act of the mind and an act of the mouth. There's a big difference between simply remembering something and reciting something. See, when you remember something, when you think about it, you only are processing that information once. But when you recite it, you're processing that information twice, internally, externally. It ingrains it more. You know how we know this? How many of us, when you study for a test, often will both think about the answer, but then write it out or speak it? You are reciting what you are attempting to ingrain as part of your life. And far more than getting a good grade on a test, if you want to get a good grade in life, you recite where you came from. See, commitment often comes from remembering and reciting where you came from. Interesting little thing here. We often talk about Abraham, but do you notice who else is mentioned here? Terah. This is Abraham's daddy. Now, why is it? Why, why, why is he included here? Here's what we believe to be the case. Terah was the f- father of Abraham, but why? Okay. Terah, according to the Hebrew Midrash, the Midrash was simply a collection of Hebrew commentaries, uh, Hebrew teachings that are outside of Scripture but expound on or explain Scripture. In the Hebrew Midrash, we are told that Terah was both a manufacturer and a seller of idols. See, here's why this is important. God, through Joshua, is not simply reciting that they were a part of a culture that was far from him. But they were actively engaged and benefiting from that culture. In other words, we were far worse than we could ever imagine how much greater and how much better God is as a result of where he has brought us from. Because the very next phrase is this He says, but I, this is God I took your father Abraham and gave him many descendants In other words, he came from an idolatrous background Where he and his family benefited from this sinful practice And I still chose him Your commitment to God will be equal to how well you recite his commitment to you Did you hear me? Your commitment to God will be equal to how well you recite His commitment to you. Do you understand that God is committed to you? Long before you knew Him, He knew you. Even though you did not love Him, He loved you. Before you were born, He put into play certain events that would lead to your salvation. That is how committed God is to you. Recite what God has done, where you've come from. In fact, He doesn't just say, here's your history, but notice this other verse. You yourselves have seen now everything the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. It was the Lord your God who fought for you. It's not just what happened way back when. It's what God is doing right now. Some of you are alive today, and you can think back to the moment where you should have died, and for some reason you're still alive. It's because there is a God who's committed to you. There are some of you here today, it's not that you were about to physically die because of a silly situation or a stupid decision. But rather it's because you, you can look back at that moment where things were off the rails. Maybe you weren't sure how you were going to get through a season. But somehow, by God's grace, you are now here today. It is because God has been committed to you. You recite where you came from, family. I think about this. When I think back to what God has done for me. I think back to 1989, just a seven-year-old kid. And I remember the conversations and I remember distinctly talking to mom and dad and then my preacher at the time, Walt Lever, and just saying, I want Jesus. And I couldn't explain all that was going on inside my heart, but I just knew that God had broken me and that God had promised to love me no matter what. And I remember being saved. I remember standing on that milk crate in the baptistry at the Antioch Church of Christ saying yes to Jesus because he said yes to me. I think back to when God didn't simply save me, but He put me in a great church that taught me to love the Bible, to love the Scriptures, full of Christ followers who are not perfect, but loved God who is perfect. He put me in a place that relished the truth of God's Word and discipling others. That was God leading me. I recite that to you today. And then God, through His grace and by His power, introduced me to the single greatest gift outside of salvation, and that is my beautiful babe, Lindsay. Anyone else grateful for their wives? Anyone grateful for their husbands? By the way, side note, I think the saddest thing to me is when I hear a spouse run down their their spouse. Don't you know what a good gift God has given you? But we will recite that. And God gave me two children that I did not deserve, I did not earn, and I half the time don't even know how to parent well, but by God's grace, we're trying. And then God, by His grace, brought my family and I to this wonderful city called Chattanooga, to this fantastic church called Clear Creek, to meet you and be a part of the mission God has given to you and the leadership of this church, that we can be a part of it. I will celebrate and recite it. So are you reciting where God has brought you from? If you want to cultivate commitment, you recite it. Number two, very quickly here. Not only recite it, you return to the basics. Return to the basics. What are the basics? Well, the basics are very simple. He says, obey Everything that scripture teaches look at what it says here be careful to obey all that is in that is written in the book of the law of Moses Without turning aside to the right or to the left Here's here's the point We often complicate commitment, but commitment is simply obedience to what god has said Commitment is simply obedience to what god has said if you are in relationship with god Then he has already defined what commitment looks like But if you don't know the scriptures, how will you know commitment? return to the basics I love the fact that at least for many years of the history of the churches of Christ, we were known as people of the book, meaning we knew the Scriptures and we loved the Scriptures. I think it is past time that we return to those basics of knowing the Word of God, loving the Word of God because we love God and obeying what He says. If you want to cultivate commitment, you return to the basics. Recite where God brought you from. Return to the basics. And number three... Reject your idols. Reject your idols. We're running fast here, but let me be clear. An idol is anything that kills your commitment to God. An idol is anything that kills your commitment to God. And some of you say, well, maybe maybe my commitment has not been killed, but it's just been watered down. Hear me now. An idol may begin by watering down your commitment, but it always leads to killing your commitment because anything you allow to take precedent in your life will over time become the God of your life. And so Joshua to the people of Israel makes this statement. (laughs) He's so classic. He says this, Throw away the foreign gods that are among you. Here's what's so interesting. They've been in the promised land for over 20 years and they're still carrying their little idols from beyond the river through life. Their idols are simply the backup plan to what God is doing. It's the idea that, well, I know God is taking care of us, but if he doesn't, I've got another God that'll take care of me. What is the thing that you lean on as your backup plan to committing to Christ and the call he has on your life? See, not a one of us would have a backup wife or a backup husband just as a making sure things work out. Commitment is simply saying, I will reject the idols in my life. Quick question, what are the idols in your life? Maybe it is a dating relationship that you need to get rid of because it is not what God is calling you and you know that you're worshiping the person more than the one who gives you all things. Maybe the idol in your life is simply a a, a relationship or maybe it is um, some security or maybe it's status or whatever it may be. What is that thing that you hold on to and you think, if I only have this, then I will have everything. Commitment simply says you reject all the idols in your life. So it is to recite where you came from. Return to the basics. Reject your idols and fourth and finally, recruit others. You say, what? How does this cultivate commitment? Have you noticed, have you noticed that when you share what you're excited about, it builds your own excitement about it. Have you noticed this? Anyone else in here? Let, let me give you an example of this. So, in college, we had this wonderful conversation. It was one of those really deep uh, conversations that you have. And here's the conversation What is the greatest pizza in Tennessee? I, I know, this is just deep stuff. And so I remember one, one late afternoon, some buddies and I we were talking about it, and I began to share with them what I at the time thought was the best pizza in Tennessee. It was this little greasy joint in Oak Ridge, Tennessee, where my daddy grew up, called Big Ed's Pizza. Anyone else know of Big Ed's? Oh, these are the saved. These are, now we're saved, and we'll all die quicker than the rest of you as well. But, but Big Ed's, oh man. Here's, here's the great thing about it is As we talked about bigots I started talking about How this pizza was so good But they gave it to you And they put it on a paper plate You know this The paper plate It was so greasy That when you're done eating You lift the paper plate And it kind of off the, off the table It was nasty It was nasty But as we talked about it I could see The saliva beginning to come On the guys' faces And so much so That we said Hey you know what We just need to go So we hopped in the car Late one afternoon, we had finals the next day. We didn't care. We got in the car. Three hours later, we had the best pizza and the worst heartburn you could imagine. But it was a great experience because I got to recruit other people to this commitment that this was the best pizza. Hear me now. Why is it that it's so easy to commit to recruit people to a food, but it's so hard to commit to recruit people to a faith? But here's, here's the reality, as you and I, as you and I, listen, listen, as you and I cultivate this, as we share our faith with others, one thing's going to begin to become more and more apparent, you'll begin to fall more in love with Jesus, and your clarity of why you love him will become more apparent, because it will be, it will be a necessary piece to recruiting others for you to share why he is so good to you. And this will cultivate your commitment. Bottom line is simply this. If you don't remember anything else remember this remember this We live in a world of quitters but God's people are committers because because commitment changes everything You understand everything we've talked about this morning sounds like it's all about you but it's really really not Everything we've talked about, how commitment is a choice, it's personal, it's daily, and it's public, you understand that long before you and I ever entered the scene, there was one who stepped onto the scene. His name is Jesus Christ. And his commitment for you, quick question, did he make a choice for you, family, yes or no? Yeah, he did. Was it a personal choice or did someone twist his arm to choose you, yes or no? Did God choose you, yes or no? He chose you, yes. It was personal. He made the decision daily. In fact, he talks about praying. Give us this day our daily bread. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The idea is that if you had it all for the rest of your life, you wouldn't have to pray for your daily needs. But he made a daily commitment to you. And did he make it public? We're told that on the cross, stretched out between two thieves, he was stripped naked, and he was put to a public shame. The commitment that we're talking about here is simply a reflection of the commitment of our Savior to us. And quick question, quick question. Did his commitment change everything? How many of us this morning would say, Jesus' commitment has changed my everything? How many of us would say that his commitment took a lot of new land, and it's continuing to today? This is why, friends, we can talk about the land that God wants to give you, but the thing that will determine how much land you see is how much commitment we keep as followers of Jesus. So I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you, would you cultivate it? Would you not let it just say where it is, but would you build it up and cultivate what God has done?